It's very difficult for me to form my thoughts because I am deeply involved in my Adam Driver workout program right now. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to Feminist Frequency Radio. This is episode number six. I am your host, Anita Sarkeesian, and I am joined by Ebony Astor. Hey, people. And Carolyn Pettit. Hello, hello. This is the show that asks you to be critical of the media you love, or alternatively, we're the feminist killjoys coming for your media, depending on your perspective. On today's show, we're going to check in with the latest pop culture news, dive into a very spoilery discussion of Star Wars The Last Jedi, and then of course, we'll each share a little something in What's Your Deal? And as always, exclusively for our fantastic drip backers, we'll be recording a bonus segment about some of the things we loved in 2017. And just one more quick thing before we get started. We're in the middle of our end-of-year fundraising campaign, and we need your help to continue doing this work into the new year. Like this podcast, everything Feminist Frequency does is 100% listener, reader, and fan-supported. If you listen to our podcast, if you love our videos and our written pieces, please help us keep doing this work and help us keep it free for everyone. Mm -hmm. Everything we produce, film, record, and write is possible because of folks like you, and we can't thank you enough. We have just 10 days before 2018, which means that there are only 10 days left for you to contribute. $100, $50, $25, whatever you're comfortable with. Anything you can donate will make a huge difference. Please visit feministfrequency.com slash donate and pitch in now. All right, let's start the show. Hey, what's up, everybody? (laughs) What's up, Anita? It was Star Wars week. It sure was. Yeah, We, We saw Star War. We did go see a Star War. We're going to talk about a war in the stars. We sure are. Uh, there was a really funny message that came in to us recently that was about how, like, men, how, like, you you go to war with star, in the stars, and it's for men, so why would women be involved in the war of stars or some <laughs> shit? It was bonkers. Uh, that was fun. That yes. was really fun. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't want to talk. We're gonna say we're gonna talk about Star Wars a bit later. I know. So I'm just, we have I'm so just much excited. Star Wars. <laughs> to talk about a Star War. I mean, yeah, uh, yeah. All right. Well, let's uh, let's check in with some pop culture news, and then we'll dive into that. Okay. So uh, this is sort of I feel like tangentially, it's not clearly entertainment, but it but it relates to how we might we may all get a great deal of our entertainment. Um, So last Thursday, in a playful 3-2 vote, the FCC (laughs) lightheartedly voted to rescind the Obama-era regulations protecting net neutrality. Um, And, and, you know, so uh, the FCC chairman, um, Ajit Pai, I just want to share a quote with you that just illustrates, I think, how... how, how little he out of like, touch, Machiavellian, how, brutal. Yeah, well, how little, elitist? how little he res- All of that is true, but but how little he respects like the 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 intelligence of the American people he's ostensibly in that role to serve. He went on Fox and Friends, um, the 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 like the morning after the vote had passed, and this is something he actually said, um, about people who had been opposed to to net neut- to the you know, rescinding of net neutrality. He said, those who have said the internet as we know it is about to end have been, have been proven wrong starting this morning as people send emails, check on their Twitter accounts, post on Facebook and the like. Yeah. Like we all thought we were going to wake up on Friday morning and like not be able to fucking (laughs) check our Twitter accounts. That's not what net neutrality. None of us think 
that's what net neutrality. Well, except for the people that are buying into their fear mongering, which right. is hilarious because right. um, I like if you listen to the testimonies, uh, they were blaming our. So we are very much for net neutrality. They were blaming us for being fear mongers when like they're trying to do that same nonsense. Like it's just it's so stupid. And listening, this one dude on the committee was like cat videos like you don't need cat videos Dri- like using the internet for self-driving cars is more important and i'm like oh my god you are so tone deaf like you don't understand at all what is happening here and like shout out the two women oh on the god. committee were the ones who had the most incredible intelligent smart statements and were the ones that voted to keep net neutrality yeah, exactly so- Fuck men, basically. Yeah. Uh, I mean, uh, those uh, speeches that the women gave, I think, were so, I mean, just so sharp and smart. Like, I really feel like they, they're like legitimately great political speeches that I think will hopefully be important in the future when people look back on on this debate. When the and, internet is completely obliterated. Yeah, right. I mean, yeah. I think I think history will be very unkind to this decision and that people will in yeah. the future recognize like, how incredibly corrupt and uh and like corporate uh you know serving this decision was and and uh, recognize I don't think history women. will be unkind, Caro, because history is going to be completely rewritten by Big mm. Brother. And by the time anyone realizes what's been going on, um, Newspeak will have completely taken over the order of the day. All of our news will have been produced, digested, packaged for us in ways that benefit corporations and the government. And there will be absolutely we won't even realize that it's happening. I think part of what is so disturbing about net neutrality is the way people are not reckoning with the fact that this is going to actually affect um not just how quickly you get your news, but actually like what news you get, what, you yeah. know, what exposure you get to things. This is like your reality is going to be rewritten uh, or can be rewritten in a in a larger, um, more overwhelming way by people in power to fit their agenda and fit their ends. Well, Ebony, but I do think that down in the, the sewers where the resistance will be happening and, and Rebel Dennis scum. Leary Rebel scum. And Dennis Leary Dennis Leary will be there leading the the, the resistance <laughs> against the oppressive. I don't media. want no part they, of that resistance. They, I mean that's well, that was in demoli- demolition man. He was like anyway, you know, I, that the Yes, but I, I do think that... Um... I, I think something that's important to understand here, too, is that, um, you know, this isn't something that's going to happen overnight. Right. So it's, so so if it does get passed through Congress, which we still have one more layer mm-hmm. of, like, of uh, legal stuff yeah. to go through. Like a, yes, <laughs> a vote, another... Yeah. Yeah. Um, Understand that the way that this change happens is very slow and minor. And so, like, if Comcast comes in and says, okay, we're tearing up the internet, you got to pay extra for, you know, access to Netflix and this and that or whatever, um, either to the consumers or to the providers, uh, who would, however, that would work out, they're going to do it so slowly that we're not going to be able to ramp up a lot of political, right. um, like, critical mass to fight it, right? In the mm-hmm. same way that we would with a, a vote like this. Right. And so, the I'm I'm deeply concerned about how, you know, like the the Fox Disney merger that very few people are freaking out about. This yes. is super, super troubling. And like if you look at the early 90s when the laws changed and cr- allowed these like, you know, sort of pseudo monopolies to be formed, the media completely transformed. It went from having like hundreds of different news and media outlets to five 
mm-hmm. right? Or something like that. And so now we're like we're we're reducing that even more and even more. And if you actually look at like people who study monopolies and study the media, like they are they've been you know, raising the flag for decades about how dangerous this is. And like, no wonder we have the media landscape that we have currently. Everyone's freaking out about fake news and social media, but we also need to talk about who owns our media and who's right. giving us this information and how few people own the media. Right. Right. That we have access to. Yeah. It's, it's, it's very terrifying and a tremendous cause for concern. Um, uh, moving into our other, uh, <laughs> entertainment news story of the week. Matt Damon, everybody. You know, Ugh. Matt Damon was on oh, uh, boy. Grown or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. He Matt Damon did an interview with uh, Rolling Stone film critic Peter Travers. And Peter Travers asked him, you know, as the father of girls, right? Because that's Jesus. why, you know, those are the men who should be, you know, if you're only if you're like the father of girls, do you really have an investment in this in these issues? But Matt Damon, uh, Peter Travers asked him, you know, just about his thoughts about the current um, uh uh, spate of like uh, men facing tremendous consequences for their sexual uh, harassment behavior, for their sexual misconduct. And Matt Damon had uh, some pretty uh, awful things to say. Um, uh, I'm just going to uh, recount a few of his quotes here real quick. He said, the fear for me is that right now we're in this moment where, and I hope it doesn't stay this way, the clearer signal to men and to younger people is deny it. Because if you take responsibility for what you did, your life's going to get ruined. Uh, I mean, look, as I said, all of that behavior needs to be confronted, but there's a continuum. And on this end of the continuum where you have rape or child molestation or whatever, you know, that's prison, right? But the other stuff is just kind of shameful and gross. Uh, so, yeah. uh, like, I mean, you know, there's nothing more that helpful to this conversation than the parsing out of assault, like, like intensity. You know, like, like, yeah, the Whoopi Goldberg rape rape, you know, it's like, uh-huh, you know, uh-huh. what's really important in this discussion is determining exactly how horrible it is yeah. based upon proximity, length of time, touching your body in a yeah, non-consensual manner. And also, manner. who the fuck are you as not the person harmed to determine whether harm, like the degree to which harm is done to you? Yeah. yeah. Right? Uh, yes. And his concern for... The, like the consequences the men face, like that they're going to get ruined. Well, you know, what about centering all the lives, the careers of women that have been ruined because of because of what's been done to them? Like that's the that those are the ruined lives we should be concerned yeah. with. And this right is now. totally like a bullshit boys club, like protecting your own garbage. And like, yo. Matt Damon was babysat by Howard Zinn. I know. What happened to that? It's so man? disappointing. Come on. Yeah. Like, he would be so disappointed. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and I it's, feel it's like, just... you know, if you are struggling to come up with a statement, if you are the sort of person to whom the media is turning for a statement and you are a man or someone who does not have direct personal knowledge of this issue, feel free to say, my response to your question is, I think we should listen to the victims. I think we should listen to the people who have shared their stories. Nothing that I have to say adds to this discussion. Why don't you talk to mm-hmm. the victims? Feel free to mm-hmm. let that be your statement and then shut it up and keep it moving. Yeah, for real. Also, on that same day, we got a little taste of Russell Simmons oh being my his God. horrible self as usual. Yeah. And he, he tried to start a hashtag called Not Me coming out yeah. swinging, being like, I like, because he was accused by several women uh, mm-hmm. of assault and I think and rape. rape. Yeah. Um, and he was like, I have proof that I didn't do it. And I'm just like, what? 
like this is so this so tracks with who he is in his public persona. Yeah. But like, how dare you? Like, how dare you start a counter hashtag right. that, like, you know right. the dregs of the internet are going to pick up and run yeah. with? It's so misogynistic. It taps right into, you know, all of the the sentiment around, oh, this is like, uh, you know, it's a witch hunt where, where the pendulum is swinging too far the other way. You know, it totally throws so much fuel yeah. on that ridiculous fire. And, yeah, totally. it's absolutely awful. Yeah, I mean, there be stories about, you know, Uncle Russell for a year. So that boy yeah. been in the trash. But um, but also, don't forget <laughs> Mario Batali offering up a yeah. pizza dough cinnamon roll recipe at the end of one of his discussions uh, or not. No, I missed this. Yeah. So, you Did know, he like really, he made a statement, a put it out in his newsletter. Um, you know, the kind of same self-serving apologies that, that all of these dudes are issuing and then followed it up with another kind of, you know, addendum and then was like and by the way if you need a recipe for the holidays people are loving these pizza doll cinnamon rolls yo people find new and more exciting ways to be trash every single day (laughs) merry christmas (laughs) holy shit Mm -hmm. all right that's amazing i did not know that all right That was a really pleasant pop culture news recap. Yeah. I try, to keep it, I try to keep it fun and, you know, lighthearted. Oh, man. It's just the fucking reality of the world. But in other news, Star Wars The Last Jedi came out last week to much excitement and also much, much controversy. Not controversy, well, but people were really. There's a certain segment of Star Wars fans in particular who are very... Uh, uh, unhappy. Unhappy about this film. Yeah. Um. Yeah. All right. So let's dive into this. Spoiler alert! Spoiler alert! Darth Vader's Luke's father. Who wants to start? I, well, <laughs> I, I guess I'll start by saying uh, that I'm kind of of two minds about the film. There's a way in which I I don't like it, and there's a way in which I really do like it. <clears throat> the way in which I don't like it simply is, you know. The, the Force Awakens was very much modeled on A New Hope. And um, there's a sense in which I wanted this film to be kind of modeled on The Empire Strikes Back. And, right. and the sense the sense in which I mean that is that The Empire Strikes Back is the one Star Wars film that really, like, takes its time with the characters, lets the characters develop, just lets them, you know, it's not like, it's not super plot driven. It's not one big set piece thing after another after another. It definitely has those exciting moments, but it's a film that lets you get really invested in the personal stakes and the characters, and that makes the, the big moments like, you know, Luke, I am your father, like so much more... Spoilers. Spoilers, yeah, <laughs> because you care about the characters. And, and, um, so, and uh, The Last Jedi does not do that at all. Like, this film is so relentlessly plotted. It just goes from one, you know, action thing to another to another. It's running all over the place. And I really felt like I like these characters, but I really want to spend just, I just want to take a little time to slow down and like, just, you know, like let them just be characters with each other for for a little bit of time before the, the plot starts marching again. Sure, sure. However, there's a sense in which I, I, I really like this film. And that is, you know, when you look at the, the particular seg- the segment of Star Wars fans that are like particularly upset about this film, I'm glad for the things this film is doing that are upsetting those people in particular. Like, yes. what, this film, what this film kind of does is it kind of says... Hey, you know what? That the whole like star, the whole Skywalker saga, like, eh, 
you know, it kind of like, that's not that important or that's not the center of things anymore. It kind of, um, you know, like says it, the fact that it takes Ray and, and says her parents are nobody. Like it's, she wasn't like born into this. She's not like some highborn figure or anything. She's, you know, she comes from nowhere and yet she's the, the special one. Like to me, that is really, really cool. I think that that is. I think that that's great. And um, yeah, just the way that this film, you know, it really is uh, structured, and and it has characters that obviously are are kind of ushering in, you know, a, a new era of Star Wars that doesn't feel it doesn't feel um, beholden to the past of Star Wars. It doesn't feel beholden to this old model of like. Um, you know, basically primarily focused on, on like white men and, um, and like, yeah, this, this like Skywalker soap opera that it's, it's saying, you know, you gotta, you gotta like, let go of that shit. You, you know, that shit that you, that's been like, you know, if, if that's ruining your childhood that we're kind of like, um, brushing that aside a bit, then, you know, fuck you. Yeah. Uh, let's throw up the spoiler warning because I, I, everything I'm going to say is going to be a massive spoiler. Big so. basket of spoilers. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I have I have a lot of thoughts about we're going to be here for fucking yeah. ever going through this. Good. Um, okay. Well, one thing that I think that people didn't like a there are some people who really didn't like how contemporary the jokes were. Sure, sure. Um, and that was something I actually really liked. I enjoyed a lot of the humor in this film. The intro gag with General Hux and Poe was fucking. So well done. It was really funny. And like, so it for it to remind people, it was the gag where Poe and like kept being like, I can't hear you. Sorry, I can't hear you. And it was very much like the joke about like being on a cell phone or whatever. And they just both acted it really well. And it like, I liked it. And I think that that either you liked it or you didn't like it. And that really divided the audience. Ebony's staring at me like she wants to say something. No, I was just saying that I I wanted to start our podcast recording reenacting that moment with you, but I didn't think you'd be into it. So I would now be I, so into it. Only if I get to be Poe, though. Of course, you get to be. You po. gotta be Hux. All right, right, cool. We will we'll we'll do that for the 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 late show. Okay, for the bonus. <laughs> um, awesome. Yeah, <laughs> sure. Um. You know, like, a lot of people felt strongly about the animals one way or another. Like, everyone had really strong feelings, which I think is also a sign of, like, war- of art. Like, if yeah. you have people who feel strongly one way or another in both directions, like, that's kind of great. And right. I think that, like, the creator it, should feel good about that. It means that. The, film t- the film definitely takes chances. Yeah, it is totally. not a safe Star Wars film. Yeah. Okay, so here's my... So when you're talking about, like, it's breaking out of tradition a little bit, like, in some ways I 100% agree, and in other ways I disagree. Mm-hmm. Um, so I liked... I liked about, like, the first half-ish, the first three quarters-ish, and then I, and then as soon as they went to the battle on the salt planet, I was like, oh, fuck, we gotta sit through another goddamn battle? How long is this movie? Right? Like, that was my line of this is too long. Mm. Um... I really loved the Kylo and Rey psychic connection. I thought that the like the character development that they were starting to do with them in that regard and watching them sort of bond and this 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 intensity of nobody else gets this, yes. nobody else is here, nobody else understands us, like maybe we do need to like f- bo- like 
see what this connection is, right? I loved that. And to me, what I've always wanted from Star Wars and have never gotten is a blurring between good and evil. Like, it's light or dark and that's it. And I was really hoping that in this, like, at the... To, in the beginning of the movie, when they started to do that that blurring and the psychic connection stuff, I was like, "Oh my god, they might actually finally be making a Star Wars that I can get like actually down with." Uh, and then that completely falls apart, and I don't anticipate that actually being a part of the la- like the next uh, the next episode. Right. So, one of the things that you know when Kylo, so they, so Kylo kills Snoke. And they're doing this battle scene, which I I didn't love the choreography, but I loved the visuals of that scene. I thought it was the like the red and then it was really, really beautiful. Right. Um, But like when Kylo asks Rey to join him and says, forget the past, let's forget all the traditions. Let's like forge forward. I was like, oh, my God. Yes, I love this. Right. Like I didn't like the language because it sounded very much like, oh, let's start our own empire. Let's start our own rule. But I loved the concept of maybe let's do something different. Um, And and him being like so desperate and so um like, you are the only one that can do this with me. I can't do this alone. And her being like, peace out, was absolutely devastating. Now, the last thing I'll say about this point, or really quick before I let you jump in, is that I I believe... So, so Kylo goes into a massive temper tantrum after that point. And I believe that that is in line with his character and how that character would develop, right? That he just got burned and he's, like, saving face and he has infinite power and he's, like, going to take over even though he's very juvenile and very childlike. I fucking hated it, though. Like... I don't think it was bad characterization. I think it makes sense for who he is, but I don't want that direction. I want to see growth and I want to see maybe the ups and downs and struggles of growth in a, in a different way. Um, It just like watching him freak out about killing Luke. Just, I was like, okay, when is this movie going to be over? Just to go. Yeah. And just to go quickly back to what you were saying about when, when Kylo makes that offer to Ray to uh, kind of create something new to leave that past behind. One of the things that, um, again, is I think one of those things that's upsetting a certain segment of people, but that I like about this film is that it, I feel like there's a way in which this film says, hey, you know what? The Jedi actually were kind of fucked up. And, and like, it it doesn't treat the Jedi Order as, like, this totally... Um, sacred thing like it almost it almost acknowledges like hey maybe the jedi shouldn't exist anymore and because i really think that uh, you know if you look back through the 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 whole series up to this point that the the jedi's really you know they were presented as these authoritative figures of like good and and whatnot but i really think they they were they were fucked up like and they you know they they mess people they mess up people who come into you know, like little Anakin. I mean, they, to- they, you know, they totally fucked that kid up. And anyway, I just think that the Jedi Order is not some sacred, you know, shouldn't be treated as some sacred cow in the Star Wars films. And I'm, I was glad that this film kind of took a more uh, 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 critical approach to 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 that whole the whole Jedi yeah. thing. What do you think, Ebony? Well, it's um. It's very difficult for me to form my thoughts because I am deeply involved in my Adam Driver workout program right now (laughs) because (laughs) I, listen, when we saw him in those high-waisted leather pants, I was like, 
I'm on board, okay? Because whatever diet you're on, steamed chicken and broccoli, I'm into it. I'm into it, you know? He reminded me of Sting and Dune, you know? And that's yes. never a bad thing. I mean, wow. like, I was hollering throughout so much. Of this. I'm surprised I don't get put out of my neighborhood theater because I cannot keep my peace. So now that our listeners have had a chance to listen to Anita and Caro talk about very weighty issues in Star Wars. Let me give you my bootleg superficial take based upon the notes that I took. One, I loved the grand style battering ram when they were on the planet crate. This is a conversation that Caro and I need to have because I know Anita doesn't know what the hell I'm talking about. But it reminded me of Return of the King. And I was like, Uh I'm into it. Two, I am very disappointed that Snoke was not actually very tiny. My (laughs) hope after seeing The Force Awakens was that, yo, if it turns out that Snoke is actually like the size of a porg, that would have blown my mind into banana soup. So the fact that that did not happen and that Snoke gets killed in this, let's take a moment to talk about how the the kind of stakes the the malice the figure of evil that you know exists in the Star Wars universe like we've had some great villains right but the villains in this piece um Hux and Kylo Ren they're, they're not laughable but they don't reach the kind of heights of villainy that Darth Vader does right and that's kind of the point but it also means that I was never really super worried you know, for the resistance. Because I just thought that the First Order Not is so Not even when they were ineffectual. getting plucked off? Not well, even when they're getting plucked thing, off in those no, little pods? No, because the dumbass First Order was popping off those ships one by one. Hello. Will y'all just do it all at once and get it done with? We got <laughs> it's, stuff it's to do. It's not as dramatic. You know? It's not as Like, dramatic. you don't want to be paying all this overtime. Do it all at once. But I guess they were trying to make a point. I don't know. I thought uh, Admiral Holdo was great. Loved mm. Laura Dern. In that role. All right. Okay, I'm going to interrupt you because I want to talk about this. What? Or do you want to just go through your... I'm going to interrupt you. Let's talk about Laura Dern. Okay. Come on. Okay. This is a conversation. This is it though? <laughs> Although I appreciate, I appreciate your list. Okay, okay, here's the thing. Laura Dern is fantastic and wonderful. Adore her. I... Okay. This is one of my issues with it. So, two things here. One is I fucking hate when movies put in false drama where one sentence could have stopped the whole goddamn movie from happening. Like, if Laura Dern had just said, hey, we're gonna do this thing, Poe would have been like, oh, cool. Yeah, but but that's what I loved about it because she was like, no, you don't get to challenge me, Captain Dameron. You know, like, no, you don't get to come at me in this way. You're not a member of the executive leadership and I appreciate that you're trying to be a hero. And listen, I will bow to no one in my love for Poe Dameron, okay? And the fact that Anita has said she will cosplay as Poe this Halloween yeah. is making my life. But seriously, I loved how she was like, uh-uh, you don't get to question me. I've made a decision. Obey orders, you know? And if you don't yeah, like it, but, you can okay. go sit down somewhere. Sure. But also, like, that one that one tiny thing of her one goddamn sentence that she could have said put Rose and Finn on this huge trajectory. It put Poe on this other trajectory. And, like, I, it's just... I. That's the kind of shit that I'm, I have a hard time buying into. Like, I can't drop my... Uh, you suspend your disbelief. Suspend my, yeah. yeah, disbelief for that. Also, the other thing, though, that this does that I felt uh, a little bit uncomfortable with 
in terms of gender roles is it makes us root for Poe and against Laura Dern, right? Like, because we are, we like him, we like what they're doing. We think that she's being like stuffy and stuck up and not being like helpful and whatever that I didn't like the dynamic. I didn't like that. I was, I was told to not like her, even uh, though yeah. you do eventually. Yeah. Right? I mean, I was with you a hundred percent, but I, I feel like her final moment is so, you know, poignant but and and kind of awesome visually and everything that her, the fucking ship ramming into Yo, the that shot, whatever was that shot was everything it like, was so yeah. good i feel like people come away from this movie really admiring um that character even if there's even if the film manipulates them which i agree completely like i was frustrated with that too the film manipulates them into disliking her for a long stretch of yeah. it all right ebony back to your list yeah Okay, um, I laughed about uh, Hux as a punching bag. Like that just that guy just became a joke, and I was here for every minute of it. <laughs> he was Super so great. good at it, though. Yeah, I know. Um, in terms of the my ranking of species that I give a shit about in the Star Wars universe, <laughs> it is now ice foxes, porgs, whatever species Admiral Akbar is. Uh, whatever race Mon Mothma <laughs> belongs to, and then everybody else. So, Mothma, just new Mon ranking in case anyone's wondering where my heart lies. Um, Mon, Mo- Mon Mothma's a human! No <laughs> way, is she? I thought she was Mon- part of a different race of people, but she was just humanoid. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Hey, well, that's something hey, I would say. Hey, hey Film Freak Radio <laughs> listeners, at me and correct my Star Wars knowledge. I know you can't wait. So, yo, when people hear this episode... So many keyboards are going to get broken because people are going to be fucking happy slapping <laughs> their way yeah, into correcting yeah. me. And I cannot wait. I love when people are like, Ebony, I just need to gather you c- gently and correct your misinformation. What is not on your list, which is the creature that I liked the most, was the like the beast creatures that are the racing, ho- basically the equivalent of racing horses on the casino world. Mm-hmm. Vaguely trico I loved the liberating them. They yeah. were so wonderful. Yeah. I liked that whole story. You know line. who Although- else wasn't on my list, and only because of the way they were treated, was the island natives who were taking <gasps> care of the Jedi that? temple. I Listen, know. let me and tell you women? about how I, again, seriously, I need to just start pirating movies from my house because I'm going to be put out of a theater. But I was laughing so hard <laughs> at the reveal that there are actually creatures, you know, sentient beings, like this race of fish nuns on this island taking care of the Jedi <laughs> temple. And I was like, ain't this just the way, like this, you know, like kind of morally conflicted white man goes to some, you know, like far away exotic place to, you know, get his mind right and irritating the natives all the while. And just like these fish nuns are just straight up having to clean up after white people constantly. I was like, I know I get you, girl. I get you. I was hollering. Um, I know that felt really weird and that they were introduced like later on. And then they became the joke, right? When Ray like figured out how to use the, uh, lightsaber, the... That's thing. right. Yeah, it's like, wow, what's the yeah. word of the... Yes, um, and yeah. then she, like, breaks their fucking... Like, she gets in the way of their work with the... Ro- I was, yeah. yeah, I felt really uncomfortable about how, like, oddly gendered that labor was. No, well, that's why that's why it and was race, so yeah. funny to me because I, it just revealed so much about, you know, the roles <laughs> that... Like, it just seemed like the kind of creature that, you know, like, uh, white male sci-fi creators would create like this servant class, this servant sure, race, sure, right? You oh, know, totally. so it was it was like a self-own. I just felt like these people were kind of telling and, on themselves. But, and also, it's an interesting it's an interesting choice. It's an interesting bad choice that they made. Um, 
Unless they were trying to actually, like, they did not do this. But if they were to introduce them to talk about, like, exploited labor and that sort of thing, that would be a different issue. But um, one of the first things Carol and I said to each other when we walked out of the theater was, like, there's a lot of women and people of color all over this goddamn world. Like, they, it was a very conscious decision, which we've seen throughout the series, and even more so in this one, that I was pleasantly surprised by. Oh, me too. I loved the, the, like, population explosion in the Star Wars expanded universe, just like showing the actual depth of the galaxy, you know, the 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 different races and peoples. It was something that I had missed. Um, and because, you know, space opera by its very nature is supposed to be, you know, kind of large and expansive, right? And yet, if you were to watch, uh, you know, like the original trilogy and even, you know, the second trilogy that we've just, you know, collectively decided doesn't exist, you would think like long ago in a galaxy far, far away, it still looks like, you you know, fucking suburban Denver, you know, in terms of the number of white men who are there. How does this keep happening? So I appreciated that breath. Like, yeah, not everyone is going to look like, you know, Han Solo, bless his heart. I mean, I I really feel like there must have, since the end, since between Return of the Jedi and The Force Awakens, some major, like, intersectional feminist movement like totally (laughs) like totally made both sides the republic and the you know first order reevaluate their whole thing and be like oh my god why don't we have any women in our leadership or in our ranks i'd watch that documentary yeah exactly about (laughs) about the feminist movement in the galaxy far far away Um, can we talk about rose and finn yeah yeah Okay, I fucking loved Rose. She is a delight. And the woman who plays her, whose name I'm forgetting, is also a delight. I think it's Kelly did Tron. You, did you see her on the red carpet talking about, like, turndown service in hotels? Man, that shit was funny. You should go watch that. She's adorable. Um, She's adorable. I, yeah. did, I loved her. I did not love the resolution um, no, of so her here, relationship with Finn. Yeah. I, so, okay, I don't, I don't feel as strongly, but I feel like they didn't earn it. Like, I'm okay with them pairing Finn and Rose if they want to do that. Like, I don't have any strong feelings against that from happening. Um, But I didn't feel like they did enough to earn that being a thing that happened. Like, they went on a fucking mission together and now they're in love. Well, that's kind of what I'm part of what I was saying earlier is, is I wanted, I I felt like in a lot of ways, these characters didn't get the develop, just the little moments here and there to just to just interact with each other in ways that develop their relationship and aren't all about just moving the plot forward. I, I really wanted more of that. And yeah. and I really do feel like a lot of people are um, saying that the Luke we get in this film is so different from the Luke we've seen in the past. And like, it's been like 34 years. He's been through a lot. Like I, I can accept that he's, uh, mm-hmm. you know, become this kind of crotchety old guy, but I do wish that I do feel like his character was kind of, handled in this kind of cliche way like like how he has that line um you know amazing everything you've just said is wrong and then like it's like like the film calls back to this like very uncharacteristic luke line later like he it becomes like a little catchphrase of his that just seems so kind of forced and formulaic in terms of writing to me i didn't like that and i just i just wish they'd handled luke a little bit differently i agree i didn't I didn't like the. I did. I, I liked what they were trying to do with it, I guess, but I didn't really like how it happened. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I am um, um, going back to the the Rose Fend thing. It's oh right. It seemed like there was a definite and deliberate 
deliberate attempt to um, pull Finn and Poe away from each other. We had this great relationship between them and The Force Awakens, right? Like this relationship that kind of, you know, was so, became so outsized in the fans' imagination that it took on, you know, like a life of its own, right? And so the fact that we didn't get a lot of like Poe-Finn bonding time, regardless of whether you ship them as a romantic unit, the fact that we didn't get to see them hanging out together, you know, was I was disappointed in that. And so we have them pulled away from each other and we don't have their energy bouncing off each other and it seemed like I said it, like a deliberate attempt to you know um, say okay like you know fans you've you've had your moment you know shipping Poe and Finn together but really we're going to make sure that Finn is seen as romantic interest available for a woman not a dude and yeah. there's that kind of moment between then Poe and Ray towards the end of the movie and I just I'm, I'm so tired of this one of the things that I loved about The Force Awakens is that you had this like mixed gender cast kicking ass around the galaxy right and romance was not a part of it is, is in fact possible for people to be great friends to be colleagues to be space cowboys together and not be fucking each other but this movie seems to suggest like nope there's always going to be that undercurrent of sexual tension you know like someone is always going to be like two inches away from kissing someone and i just i was not into it you know so regardless of whether rose and finn ever turn into become a a couple i was just like that not everybody needs to be paired off you know? Yeah. Like that's oh, totally. Necessary. Totally. And it also has to be hetero, right? Which is yeah. the thing that's frustrating about that as well. And like, I, there was something really touching about when um, Finn wakes up and he's like, where's Ray? Where's Ray? Yeah. I got to find Ray. Yeah. And you're like, it's not romantic. It's that they like really are connected and bonded they're and just, they care so much friends. about yeah. each other. Mm. Yeah. And like that, I really, I liked that yeah. part of yeah. it. Yeah. Me at too. Least. Me, Me too. too. Um, okay. Yeah. I'll go ahead. No, I was just going to uh, go back to my notes, but you probably have something better to talk about. Well, well, are the Codemaster, is the Codemaster in your notes? Because that's where I was going to go. I I have that in my notes, but that's not where I was going to go. So you go first. All right. Well, then, well, no. So we'll start. You continue. And once you get to the Codemaster, I'll jump in. Okay. Uh, next, <laughs> next bullet point on my list. We know Maz Kanata is, you know, management. Oh. She owns that bar, right? But is she like management management like when they call up her hollow and she's shooting that gun and she's like it's a union dispute i was like oh maz you can't be not on the side of the workers i was a little bit worried um so that's a question oh if people can at me can we have at ebony ask can we have more maz please like can we have more than just a fucking hologram call thank you Thank you. Yeah. There was just, oh my gosh, the yearbook for this movie, so many daggone characters really leaning into the kind of like Rogue One situation where there's, you know, 170 people that you need to keep track of and the five different movies mashed into one that The Last Jedi represents. And by the way, I loved this movie. I know it seems like I'm doing a lot of crab caking and trash talking, but I loved it from minute one to Dude, minute 233. Absolutely. So when Carolyn, like when we were in the theater, I was like, I don't know what to say. I really like I was so sucked into it that I had yeah. no I, I had no critical thoughts walking mm-hmm. out of the theater. I couldn't do it. And it took like the next day having a conversation with a friend to like really crack open all of that because it is a it is a film that you get lost in. And like and that was what was such a pleasure for me and why I was so surprised with The Force Awakens that I the same thing happened. And I was like, wow, I'm enjoying Star Wars. When did that happen? Right. Um, so I think that like we are definitely coming at it with the be critical of the media you love perspective of this like right yeah 
Yeah. Uh, and then my last uh, bullet point for now, because I do have an extended riff on Adam Driver again, looking like <laughs> Julia Sugarbaker, <laughs> which is a reference approximately 0.1% of our listening audience is going to get. But tell me he didn't look like Wait. a young Julia Sugarbaker and that tunic and belt. Okay. I was dying. For the, for the audience, I'm just going to say that I don't understand like 99% of Ebony's references I know, on a daily and it basis. Me. So if it you don't, me. it's I totally keep, okay. I, listen, I keep the pain inside, but I do wonder sometimes, you know, <laughs> if I'm just singing into the wind. So anyways, Adam Driver as Julia Sugarbaker, lean into it. Okay, so my last thing, yeah, Benicio Del Toro and the code mm. breaking, right? Okay, so, well, so... And, <laughs> there's yeah. two things yeah. here. One... The kind of deus ex machina in this movie was out of control. The kind of, you know, um, saved by the bell, you know, random <laughs> shit that happened. Whereby, oh. like, oh, okay, Poe and Rose are locked in a jail cell. Oh, conveniently, this amazing code breaker just happens to be in the cell with them. Not the code breaker they came to find, but some random ass other code breaker. Okay? Like, not into it. But... I kind of found myself agreeing with Benicio Del Toro's character, whose name I'm forgetting, by the way. But when yeah, he's just Benicio. Yeah. So, you know, when he's, <laughs> when he's talking about like, listen, oh, you know, these rich people that, um, you know, who's who's <laughs> casino night <laughs> you're trying to blow up right now. Like they made their money selling weapons to the First Order. But oh, they also make their money selling weapons to the resistance, too. Yeah. You know, just that pointed note, like. It, remember the difference is here, you yeah, know, yeah. pay very much attention because it can, you know, you can turn in a minute into that thing that you hate and are fighting against. I thought that was really yeah. compelling. And more of that, right? Like yeah. that kind of nuanced, like yeah. r- sort of real world connections. And mm-hmm. like, I want I, that line. I, I'm actually so glad you brought it up because I completely forgot. Because in the moment in the film, I was like, holy shit. Yeah. Like, yeah. this is not I didn't expect them to be this, yeah. this complex. It mm-hmm. speaks to what you what you, what you were saying about the film blurring the lines between yeah. light and dark. Right? And it does feel like someone just threw that line in for kicks as opposed to like if that's going to be a larger scale right. theme in the I mean, films. And, but yeah. And also... Obviously, in the end, we're really supposed to kind of despise this character. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so maybe, you know, which kind of casts the things he says in a negative light yeah. as well, mm-hmm. you know? Well, so, okay. My thing here, uh, which is it not profound in any way, uh, I love Benicio as much as everybody else, right? Like, he's a great actor. His I thought his character in here was lovely and whatever, whatever. But, man, I was so excited when they were in the... Um, uh, the gambling, the casino. Yeah. <laughs> when they're in the casino, and it was Justin Thoreau that was the code master, and I was like, "Yo, nobody told me he was in this I movie." Know. I'm so excited. I fucking love him so much. And then, then he's he's there for two seconds yeah. with no line, and then that's it. And then we get Benicio, and I was like. <laughs> Oh, I know. And I thought it was going to be like an elaborate fake out, right? Like, you know, they're looking for the guy with the like red, you know, flower on his lapel. Right. So we see it's Justin Thoreau. And yet, like you, I lost my mind. And I thought, oh, so is it going to be that he's going to turn out to be a con artist and not able to actually, you know, break the codes um, the way they think they are? Or that Benicio Del Toro's character is going to turn out to be like the real code breaker. And he's got like a battered kind of, you know, red flower hidden under his lapel or something. So I kept waiting for for Justin Thoreau to come back and he just didn't. I know. Man, I'm so sad. He better be in the fucking next one is what I'm saying or else I'm going to throw a hissy Girl, they ain't fit. got the time. They ain't got I'm the gonna, time. I'm gonna... General Phasma barely got more than a look into this movie. They oh, ain't got time to introduce a whole new character. 
I know. That's so sad about that general. Fa- I want more of her, too. Me, too. Yeah, man. Whatever. We got to call up Ryan Johnson and be like, yo, buddy, what was that about? I'm what not like you, about? Anita. I don't have these famous people's numbers, but... Go I ahead. don't have his number, but but he supported us during Gamergate time, so like he's probably heard of me. Oh, right so on, So maybe Ryan I could be like, hey, remember three, four years ago? <laughs> yeah, hook him up. I don't know. I have, slide into I, his DMs, I have no way... Yeah, I have no way of getting a hold of him. I'm just saying. Um, um, are you going to talk about um, Leia doing her Mary Poppins thing? Oh, we should. Okay, so we, well, I think we, we, we actually need to wrap up this conversation a little bit. But uh, we absolutely have to talk about Leia and Carrie Fisher. Mm-hmm. So, so go. Go with the Mary Poppins. I just Poppins. told you. you know, I, I love <laughs> I mean, Carrie Fisher. And you know, I, I loved her in this movie. And I'm so glad we got way more of her in this movie. Um, but I, they took what I thought was going to be a really moving goodbye scene for her, the sort of like quiet way in which her body starts to ice over in space, that very quiet moment. And I thought, yeah, we're going to get to say goodbye to this wonderful character. And then she like Power Rangers her way out of there, (laughs) unconscious with the force. (laughs) I know. I just, I didn't didn't get what was happening there and it took me right out of the moment. I really I like that that they make it clear that Leia is way more powerful with the force than we ever had yeah. any reason to suspect before, right? Like it was always all about Luke. Luke was the, you know, and he had this sister, but whatever. Like here we see oh she actually is tapped into that and she really is very powerful in that regard. Yeah, mm-hmm. so I was like I was with you. I think everyone was like, oh, this is how they're going to send her off because we know that they didn't finish shooting everything with her. Right. And then she she fucking pop, Mary Poppins her way in. And I'm like, I'm like, uh, one, if it was literally anyone else or any other character other than Carrie Fisher and Princess Leia, I'd be like, this shit's dumb. Mm-hmm. But I was like, yes. <laughs> like, yeah. it was such a pleasure to watch her do that. Right. Even though it was the cheesiest shit. Well, I mean, I was um, so glad the, that, you know, she didn't die in that moment, but just the, it was just purely that visual, the way but, that it happened. But it was weird. And then I kept being like, okay, when's she going to die? When's she going to, is this CGI? Is she real? What's yeah, happening? Yeah. Did she record these lines? Like, the whole time I'm thinking, what the fuck? And so are we going to see her again? Like, are they just going to write her off between movies? Like, I'm so confused about what they're doing. Yeah. And I'm sad. And I'm so sad because I feel like. Like they could do some amazing things with her character in the next film mm-hmm. that were it can't I'm, really happen. My guess is they were planning to. I mean, sure, that she was yeah. going to be a big part of the yeah. of the final film, and it is sad to think of what we won't get. I mean, because because I absolutely don't want them to do a you know CGI no. Princess Leia through the whole film, right? Maybe, I, no, I, no. I, uh, I my guess is that they will somehow write. I mean, they will acknowledge her passing, you know, yeah, and they'll yeah. like write it. Maybe it'll be a kind of maybe somber... she'll retire on some beautiful planet. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, for a while, off. when we when we knew that like Luke was going to be, you know, ascend into the Jedi astral plane or whatever, I thought that Leia, like they were going to cut back and Leia would have ascended at the same time because they were twins and like both of their, you know, voluminous church lady wow. robes would just slowly sink to the floor. Um, and, and, you know, it would yeah. be like a very yeah. happy Jim Henson moment. But no, that's not what happened. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, my yeah, only so unless, unless they get Guy Henry, oh. the same guy who did the um, CGI <laughs> for Grand Moff Tarkin in The Force Awakens, unless he comes back to be Princess Leia, don't bring her back as CGI. And that's my yeah. Guy Henry shout out for the week. 
Um, my only last thing to say is do not see this in 3D if you haven't seen it already. I thought the 3D was fucking awful and I really hated it. Like I want to go back and watch it again in 2D just to get that awfulness imprinted out of my brain. So that's a great way to end a Star Wars yeah. discussion. Anyways, I think we all super loved it. And, um, yeah, we did. And, you know, I'm... I, I'm not as excited about the new one, like the next one, because some of the things that happened in this, but, you know, we'll be there. We will be watching it. Uh, so, Ebony, the fuck's your problem this week? Ooh, girl. <laughs> I'm, glad you asked. I'm glad you Wait, asked. Hold on. Yeah. Would you, okay. Did you yeah, see, so- see that we got it? Sorry, Ebony, but before you get into the, whatever the fuck your problem is, did you all see that we got a tweet from somebody suggesting a few new names for the for the segment? I think I ignored it. Uh, <laughs> no, uh, I think we did see it. Didn't we talk yeah, about no, this? No, we definitely no, I mean, did. But anybody just, who doesn't no, just agree this morning. with me, I tend to forget. Yeah, sure. Yeah, just this morning. Oh, oh, I didn't see that. Yeah, okay. Oh, I, no. Uh, I was gonna pull it up on my phone, but I can't because my phone just died. Uh, but anyway, well, some 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 you know, there's some good ones. Okay, we'll reevaluate. You know, worth, we've worth gotten we've gotten a couple recommendations. The problem is the recommendations are actually like that we've gotten are pretty good, but they're they're not questions. And I think we're leaning into the like it yeah. needs to be a question so I can be like, hey, question, question, Carol. Yeah, these were questions. Oh, good. Okay, we'll check tweets. that out. Yeah. Um, yeah. there were there were a couple listeners who really liked the. The they thought it was the fucks your problem or the fucks your deal, right? Which is funny. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, either one we're works. Still... Either one works. But listen, I just want to encourage people to not send us alternative titles because I'm telling you right now, no matter what you send in, even if we adopt it for an episode or two, Anita's gonna learn to hate because <laughs> she's a hater. Okay, so don't waste your time. Don't waste okay, your precious al- time on this. Alternatively, earth. alternatively, I am a critic by profession. Girl, and whatever it is you my need to job. tell uh-huh. Whatever you need to so, tell yourself, Anita. I, so, one day, the fuck's my problem this week? Maybe we'll figure out a good title. Yeah, what the okay, fuck's your problem, well, Ebony? In all life. Right, so, what, what's my deal? And you'll notice that I gently eased it back into our old title. What's uh-huh. my deal? That's good. Um, good. So this week, or rather the last few days, I've had a great time following a thread um, on Twitter started by a poster called, she's at I Write All Day. Um, her Twitter name is Clarkisha Kent. All about the, um, you know, so-called male coding of a figure like Valkyrie and Thor Ragnarok. And so I encourage people to check out her Twitter feed, read her longer piece um, that that she posted there. But she just posted some really provocative thoughts about the ways in which, you know, uh, when a woman of color does certain things that aren't considered like elaborate performative uh, femininity, they automatically get deemed masculine and male coded, right? So you have Valkyrie, who's this warrior, who's got PTSD, you know, who's very fierce, etc. Um, and so, you know, um, Clarkisha Kent is, you know, taking the task, critics who, who, you know, sort of, you know, uncritically say that they have a problem with a character like Valkyrie because she's, you know, ostensibly male coded in quotation marks. And so she's encouraging people, na- demanding from people a more complicated reading of, you know, Valkyrie and, and other female characters like her, particularly when it's women of color. There's 
absolutely a way in which you cannot divorce her race from her gender. Um, you know, this is what intersectional feminism is all about, right? But women of color often do not have the privilege of, you know, kind of writing and performing their own version of femininity without being deemed masculine in a way that a white woman, for instance, would not. So that's my deal this week. A really informative, thought-provoking thread. Find it. I uh, the writers yeah, well, I at I write all day. We'll put the link um, in the description for the episode. And uh, and Clarkisha talks about how she's springing off another critic's um, uh, writing. So we'll put the links uh, in there. But yeah, I encourage people to read it because I just found it really thought provoking. Nice. That sounds awesome. Carol, what's your deal this week? So earlier this year, I read a really uh, wonderful novel called "Call Me by Your Name," and. Um, uh, as much as I loved this novel, um, it was not a novel that I would have thought would lend itself to cinematic adaptation because it's it's a novel in which you're very much like in in the in the heart and mind of the the main character of like the narrator, and it's it's much more about like his emotional experiences. Uh, this one lazy summer in 1983 in northern Italy than it is about like a series of specific plot events so much, but. Um, a film was just released uh, of Call Me By Your Name, and it's um, it's uh, wonderful. It is um, I th- it's for me. It's the film of the year. It's um, it stars this uh, re- remarkable young actor named Timothy Chalamet, um, and uh, and also Army Hammer, who's kind of known uh, movie star figure. Um, and it's a you know it's a, it's a it's a, a queer romance of sorts. Um, it's definitely. Um, about a gay um, relationship, but it's really so much more than that. It's a film that um, is just so beautifully shot. You know, the the lighting is so gorgeous that you, it makes you realize that that the lighting in, in most films is so artificial because there's so many shots of like dusk in this film, and it just looks like real dusk, and it just feels like you're really in these places with these characters and. Um, uh yeah, I mean it's I could talk about this film for hours, but I just want to encourage people to go see it. It's uh it's a really wonderful, really beautiful new film. Awesome. Anita, we need to hurry up and start um Caro's art house corner. <laughs> I know, we really do. As I was listening to her talk about that, I was like, Yeah, this is totally a Yeah, Caro I could listen movie to Anita I in could, every way. Yeah, I could listen to Caro talk about movies all day. So let's get it started. Yeah. Let's do it. All right. Um, my deal this week is last week there was a new Harry Potter chapter that got released. Uh, and it's from a book called Harry Potter and the Portrait of What Looked Like a Large Pile of Ash. So it's not actually a new Harry Potter chapter in case anyone was concerned about that. Um, <laughs> but what it is, what it is, is glorious and wonderful. So this group called um, Botnik is doing the, these, this project called Augmented Content Creation. And what they do is they take the texts, they take the words of particular texts, put them into an algorithm and develop a predictive keyboard. So in the same way that your phone like automatically recommends what you might say next, this is exactly what it does, this sort of machine learning with the source material. And um, these... these uh, these keyboards are on their website at botnik.org. That's B-O-T-N-I-K. Uh, and you can at, just as the public play around and as the community play around with them. And so they did things like um, uh, like a script of Scrubs was one of the other projects that they did and released. 
Um, before I talk more about it, I really just want to read some of this to you. So I'm going to read the first like little bit um, to give you an idea of why this is so fascinating. Um, all right. The castle ground snarled with a wave of magically magnified wind. The sky outside was a great black ceiling, which was full of blood. The only sounds drifting from Hagrid's hut were the disdainful shrieks of his own furniture. Magic. It was something that Harry Potter thought was very good. (laughs) (laughs) Leathery sheets of rain lashed at Harry's ghost as he walked across the grounds towards the castle. Ron was standing there and doing a kind of frenzied tap dance. He saw Harry and immediately began to eat Hermione's family. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Ron's Ron shirt was just as bad as Ron himself. (laughs) If you two can't clump happily, I'm going to get aggressive, confessed the reasonable Hermione. (laughs) Love it. I would read it. It's so good, right? So there's one more section that I think is hilarious. Um, So Harry, Ron, and Hermione quickly stood behind a circle of Death Eaters who looked bad. I think it's okay if you like me, said one Death Eater. Thank you very much, replied the other. The first Death Eater confidently leaned forward to plant a kiss on his cheek. Oh, well done. And the second said the second as his friends stepped back again. All the other Death Eaters clapped politely. Then they took a few minutes to go over the plan to get rid of Harry's magic. Plot twist. Love okay, it. Okay, so it's, it. it's, just, it's just three pages of this, like, fake chapter. And, like, what is so lovely about it is it is 100%. It sounds like Harry Potter, right. but it is so bizarro and twisted. Um, I highly recommend going to read it. And I just – the other thing I want to say about it is that I think with some of the report – I read a couple of articles about it. And I think that there's this sense that, like, it's fully computer-generated and it just sort of, like, pops out these – these texts, but it's not. And I think what Botnik is trying to do is to 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 really do like like heightened human creativity, right? Like augment the human part of this work. And so it's not like they just bopped this out. It was like a group of people that created sentences based on uh, the the algorithm that they created, and then they like workshopped it, and they they work together to try to create the best piece that they could. Um, And I think that that's really interesting about how we use tech and how we use algorithms to heighten our own human creativity and the potentials of that. So if you're interested in reading the rest of this chapter, um, you can check it out on their website, which is botnik.org, B-O-T-N-I-K.org. We'll link it in the... um, the show notes uh, and you can play around with they have uh, like tons dozens and dozens of different keyboards that you can check out so yeah that's my deal this week that was an absolute delight um, and I think that that's our show so that's our show you can check us back here every <laughs> whatever our producer always wants me to do a separate take so that was my separate take Ooh. Be Every single Wednesday, except next Wednesday. (laughs) Uh, We're taking a week off for Christmas. We hope you all have happy holidays, whatever it is that you celebrate or do. Um, Once again, a huge thank you to our Drip backers. Drip is Kickstarter's brand new subscription-based crowdfunding platform. We are listener-supported, and every dollar you contribute goes directly to producing this podcast. By pitching in, you're joining the Feminist Frequency community, and we've got some great rewards. So check out d.rip slash femfreak and join us. But more importantly, for 
us at this very moment is we are trying to raise $25,000 by the end of the year so that we can keep doing all of the work that we do. Uh, If you want to help us reach our end of year fundraising goal, anything you can contribute would help keep Feminist Frequency free and available to everyone. So just visit feministfrequency.com slash donate. You can check out all of our work, our other podcasts and everything at feministfrequency.com. And you can find each of us on Twitter. Uh, I am at Anita Sarkeesian. I'm at Carolyn Michelle. I am at General Huck's Breakdown. (laughs) Is this like the highlight of my podcast every week to see what new handle Ebony comes up with? Uh, you can I like also to find channel her at my Ebony responses, Aster. so I have many different accounts. It's perfect. It's perfect. You can also find her at Ebony Aster and tell her about why her thoughts are wrong on Star Wars. Oh, please do. Please do. <laughs> uh, we we got the three listeners, no. so I'm going to get three comments. Oh, That's Lord. Here, really, really here manageable. We go. All right, y'all. Uh, we won't see you next week, but we'll see you the week after. Bye. Bye. Bye.